Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. And I am on a mission to change child people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And I'm excited today that my guest is Karen McMahon. She's a certified relationship and divorce coach, and she's founder of Journey Beyond Divorce and a podcast with the same name. Karen leads a team of divorce coaches and supporting men and women around the world to become calm, clear, and confident as they navigate divorce. Karen is the co-author of Stepping Out of Chaos, Turning Pain to Possibility, and co-creator of JBD's exclusive 12-step divorce recovery program. Welcome, Karen McMahon. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Catherine, thank you so much for having me. So talk to us about this 12-step divorce recovery program. Is it based on a a 12-step program like we like AA and other programs like that, or is it something different than that? It is inspired by the 12-step programs, which I went into um, as I entered divorce. It is not aligned with what we did was a couple of years into my divorce coaching business, me and my business partner sat down and realized that there were just certain emotional obstacles that all of our clients faced. And when we started putting it together, uh, we decided to create a 12-step divorce recovery program. So it's really based on, regardless of the type of divorce you get, the, the typical challenges that we all face. So before we get into what the 12 steps are, you, you, you just said, regardless of the type of divorce, talk to us about what you mean by that. So... As you and I know, Catherine, there's the garden variety divorce, so there's always a little bit of conflict and frustration, but this ability of two healthy-minded individuals to find their way to settlement, to co-parenting, to being amicable. And and even, even in that situation, there's bad feelings, there's heartbreak, there's fear, there's guilt, there's blame. And that's your garden variety. And then there's the more high conflict, which involves people with deeper wounds, personality disorders, addictions, and stuff like that, where it's really trumped. And so what we say is, regardless of which variety of divorce you're going through, you're going to be triggered. And our goal is to help people grow through their divorce so that they don't just end up with a legal piece of paper and a financial settlement, but that they emerge more healed and refined version of themselves. So what are the, take us through the 12 steps. What, What are they and how do they work? Yeah. So I don't know that we could go through all 12 of them, but step one is step one for a reason. It's called, uh, it's titled curb the conflict. And so what we teach clients and, and 12-step members in that step is that you're going to be triggered. And when you're triggered, you're, our tendency is to be reactive rather than responsive. Reactive meaning that what 
comes out of our mouth or gets typed through our fingers or how we act bypasses our rational mind and oftentimes doesn't serve us well. And being responsive is really slowing things down, giving yourself a timeout, creating enough space to reconnect to your rational, logical thinking and be able to give a response that's going to move you in the direction you want to go instead of further away, which is what reactivity usually does. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think what you're saying is that in the beginning, you really, a person experiencing the beginning of the divorce or the decision to divorce or the end of the marriage that leads to the decision to divorce can be so hijacked by what I think of as the conflict trap that they're in a constant state of reactivity and upset. And I think what you're saying is that step one is to curb that conflict, kind of get a hold of yourself. And you can't necessarily control the what the other person is doing, but you can get a hold of yourself so that you can make some thoughtful, proactive, constructive decisions rather than constantly being in reactivity and upset. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and so you don't have as much of a cortisol overflow and you begin to gain control and learn how to regulate your responses. And that's the key. And And as you know, it's like if you could do just that, you'll partner better with your attorney. You'll be a little bit clearer. And so, so step one is right up front for a reason. It's one of the things, the, it's one of the hardest things for us, especially if you're in fear and you think the other person has control. And so you, you get very reactive trying to fight for some control. Yeah. And I think that it might, it might be step one, but you could also need maybe a, a revisiting of it throughout the process, right? And it could be like, you know, I've had clients come in and we sat down and strategize what they're going to say and what they're not going to say and how they're going to make sure to remember it. And then they come back in and then they repeat the exact same story. And I say, you know, Susie, mm-hmm. you know, remember we had this conversation about, and, she could, and, and you know, she will say to me, and Susie could be anybody. Uh, I can't right now think of a client named Susie, but if I did have one, I didn't necessarily have this conversation with with her. But And she'll say, yes, I know, Catherine, but it's so hard. Right. It's so hard when I get into that moment. And so what are some things that you say to people to help them curb the conflict in step one? Right. And it's a practice, right? And the reason my company is called Journey Beyond Divorce is every one of these things is a journey. And so if, if you've never actually begun the process of paying attention to yourself, right? So if so many people, it's like he or she is the problem and I can wax on about their shortcomings. And so this is an invitation to say, when you get triggered, let the person who triggered you go, as if they're the mailman, take the piece of mail and let them leave momentarily and and get the message. I'm triggered. When he threatens to take the money away, I freak out. When she argues about custody, I get ballistic. And so the first thing is to create some space, right? And creating space in 12-step programs, they say, if you're upset, count to 10. If you're really upset, count to 100. And I was just speaking to a neuroscientist who says it takes about 90 seconds for that reaction to subside. So take the 90 seconds. And then the next question that you can ask yourself is, how true is that? Because we're telling ourselves a story. 
he's going to screw me. She's going to take the kids, whatever the case may be. How true is that? And what you're doing is you're beginning to explore your fear story and your reactivity and, and what is it that I want to get out of this communication and totally keeping the focus on what you have control over, which is calming yourself down and what comes out of your mouth or what behavior you choose to engage in. Yeah. You know, I love what you're saying because, you know, Brene Brown talks about conflict happening when you tell yourself a story, right? So the story I'm telling myself is you're out to get me. And Mm -hmm. even if the person, if that's the story you're telling yourself, then everything that they say is going to land in some way of being interpreted as they're out to get me, if that's what the story is. And so you can, you can separate that out. You know, maybe they are, maybe they're not. Right. But but that you're going to be in a much better place if you're not constantly in reaction to your own story. Exactly. Right? And actually, step right. seven, which is rekindle confidence, is about the stories we tell ourselves and where the author, where the, I am the narrator of my story. If my story is slaying me, if it's making me miserable, if it's making me reactive, I have agency to change my story. And to your point, my story creates my filter. Imagine your prescription glasses. I'm going to put on prescription glasses that are gray and dreary and make everything in the future look miserable. Why? Don't, don't use that filter. And, and it's, again, it's not a one and done. It's not a, oh, this is easy to do. This is really, really hard work. But when you do it, you know yourself so well. You heal wounds of the past both marriage and earlier, and you refine character traits of yours that have not served you. And we all, every one of us have those, and those of us who've gone through divorce, you know, we're usually the sloppier version of ourselves going through divorce. And so use the opportunity of the triggers of the upset to heal and refine yourself. One of my favorite things is every upset is a setup for personal growth. I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WBOX 1460 AM in Westchester County every other Wednesday from 530, 5 to 5.30, and we're also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, bringing you information and thoughtful dialogue that you need to divorce with dignity. If you've got any questions about divorce or family law in New York, give us a call, 914-862-7487. And I'm talking today with Karen McMahon about her 12-step divorce recovery program. And so what would uh, Karen McMahon be step two of the 12-step program? So step two is um, where step one is really about taking a look at your thoughts, right, the stories you're creating. Step two is about your heart. Step two is heal the hurt. And so we actually have two steps within the 12-step program that completely focus on emotional healing. And so when we're hurt, right, we're numbing, we're ignoring, we're we're fighting, we're 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 doing all these different things. And we live in a society that's kind of, you know, the feedback is, you know, ah, he's not even worth it, you know, have a stiff upper lip, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like go out and, you know, find a guy and And the truth is, what we need to do is slow it down and really honor the fact that whether you've been unhappy for years and you initiated the divorce or you just got, got, you know, kind of shocked by your spouse initiating it, there is a grieving process. We all 
stood before whatever altar with a dream and a hope, and many of us brought children into the world. And Heal the Hurt is about really honoring the pain, the heartache, the lost dream and plans, and allowing yourself to process all of that instead of numb it, push it down, make believe it's not there. And if we don't do that, then a bitter root grows. And that doesn't help the divorce process. And working with your attorney, it doesn't help you parenting post-divorce. And it certainly will be brought into your next relationship if you don't cleanse and clear that. So step two is really about starting to pay attention to your heart and do that deeper processing and releasing of pain um, that will leave you healthier on the other side. You know, Karen McMahon, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking two things. One is, that sounds hard. (laughs) And the other is, sounds like people might not want to open that door. Do you find that people resist the idea of healing the heart, the idea of having it healed? That's good. Check that. (laughs) But the idea of opening the heart and allowing one itself to feel that pain. Yep is, I mean, I can imagine a lot of people resist that. Is that your experience? There are people who have said to me, I I can't because if I start crying, I never will stop because if I start feeling, I'll drown in the pain because if I go down this path, I will be lost forever. Those are our fear stories. That is not real and it's not true. And, um, And it takes, and I say this to everyone, it takes incredible courage to do the hard work to emerge from your divorce healthy, whole, and ready to live your best life. Many people think they're divorcing the problem, and then they go out, they find the same person in a different body, and seven years later, they're knocking on your door again. Yeah. It's the people who do this work who then can go on and really live a fulfilling life and have a different kind of healthy, intimate relationship. So, I mean, what do you say to those people who say, you know, it's just a business interaction, you know, the marriage is over, there's no real point in doing that because it's over. Why would I bother? What do you say to those people? Well, usually there's a lot more context. And so oftentimes when I'm speaking one-on-one with somebody, there's so much else going on that so many other red flags that, that there's problems here. There's wounds here. There's, there's things oftentimes the way that, so, so someone who is really struggling with their ex, that lens, they could start seeing their kids. My son is a narcissist, just like my husband, like this kind of a thing. And it's like, okay, what kind of a, let's, let's put your soon to be ex and any guy in the future aside, let's talk about the kind of relationship you want to have with your kids. Or let's talk about the fact that these ways of being that you have often predate your marriage, right? They come from our family of origin. Like, Are you happy with this? If you're happy with the way you react, then you go out and keep on doing that. But if you're displeased and you're willing to own your part, there is a very clear path to a better life. 
you just have to be courageous and you have to take a leap of faith. And many people aren't. I mean, I think that's why we have such a high second and third marriage divorce rate, because so many people aren't yet ready to do that. We've got clients who come to us and it's like, this is my third divorce. I'm ready. Good. We're here. (laughs) Yeah, I want to take a minute to remind people that I'm Catherine Miller and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're available as a podcast on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com, as well as wherever you listen to podcasts and also, of course, here on WBOX 1460 AM. And I'm talking today with Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. And Karen, if people are interested in learning more about your program or your 12-step divorce recovery approach, how can they do that and get in touch? Yeah, journeybeyonddivorce.com. There's on the homepage, there's a link to both a free rapid relief call, a one-hour coaching session on the house, and a link to a description of all 12 steps and what else comes with the program. Great. And I certainly want to talk about more about the 12 steps, but before we do that, what are, what are, in your opinion, some key moments that people can identify as being relevant to their, their divorce journey? I would say that in the early stages, uh, again, focusing on the emotional journey, in the early stages, there's a lot of story, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of uncertainty. And how you go forward from that point is going to be pivotal. And so that's the point at which a lot of people are unconscious and they just, you know, they just, they just go through reacting. But those who slow it down enough to say, what are my values? And not just what do I want to get at the end of the divorce, but who do I want to be through the divorce? And how do I want to emerge from this? Like when people ask those questions, it's a game changer. I think that when it comes to the logistics of it, we know that finances, no matter how little or how much you have, people operate from a place of fear and it's so vital that they get educated, right? That they hire a good attorney, that they, that they engage with a financial planner, that they get the emotional support that they need so that, so that they can negotiate a reasonable settlement. And same thing with, with shared parenting and who's making decision-making and who's, how much time am I going to get when you have the right support and you do the necessary education and you're informed, you're, you're so much better able to, to partner with your attorney for a good settlement. You know, I think what you're saying is so key is to really focus on your own core values. And I would go and see if you agree, Karen, with this, but I would go beyond that and think really carefully about who you want to be going through the divorce. And I think there's this sort of false idea that if you are your best self going through the divorce and you resonate, you act in accordance, at least most of the time, with your core values and who you want to be, I think people worry that they're going to be vulnerable and not protected and nice guys finish last. But in my experience, those people get much better results, both in terms of the negotiation, because they know where they're going and then they're building towards a positive future instead of reacting from the past. And just because they're decent people who make sense and that just works better in a negotiation than reactivity. What do you think about that? I so agree with you. And and what I say, I was just talking to a client this morning and I said, don't ever let somebody else's bad behavior determine yours. 
You hired your attorney because she is schooled in law, schooled in negotiation. She's got your back. Your job is to decide who you want to be through this. And if you're in integrity and you've got good legal representation, nobody's going to let you get screwed. But what you'll be able to do is think and see clearer, communicate clearer, and push the ball in the direction that you want it to go in. Whereas that that reactive blowing up, I like to say it's like throwing emotional grains, uh, grenades across the room, shrapnels flying everywhere, right? Court orders, stipulations, money being hemorrhaged. There's no reason to go in that direction. Even yeah, if you've got a high right. conflict spouse, there's no reason to go in that direction. You can still stand in your authenticity in your values and who you want to be. Yes, and I think if you you don't allow them to drag you down into the mud, that's not weakness on your part of strength. Absolutely. I concur. So I have to say that in my own divorce, it took me about seven years before interactions with my ex what my ex husband like stopped triggering me. Now that wasn't saying I was reacting necessarily, but that I could have you know, a reaction (laughs) internally. And I had a lot of support and therapy and coaching. And how long do you think it takes people to, you know, get over it? Or is that even a thing? I think it's a great question. Uh, And again, I'll go back to there's a variety of divorces. I had a three and a half year, very high conflict divorce. And people would say, how are you and your ex getting along? And I said, depends on the day. If it's a good day for him, we get along great. If it's a bad day for him, it seems a little sloppier. And for me, I had to work on not being triggered by the old dances. Like that's the key. This 12-step program, some people go through it when they first sign first begin their divorce, we've got people who are five, 10 years post-divorce who spent those five or 10 years in the same emotional dance and turmoil with their ex. And so the sooner you do it, the sooner you free yourself. And so when you stop being triggered by your spouse is going to totally, or your ex is going to totally depend on how dedicated you are to desensitizing your triggers, uh, doing your own personal work, and focusing on your new life rather than him or her and what they're doing. Yeah, I think that's so key because those were some painful years, and I also am divorced from a high-conflict person or someone certainly willing to go there, and that's not my MO, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and so really finding a thoughtful way through to help my kids, right, through that as well, not just get engaged in the same old battle or any battle, which is not what I imagined doing, was really hard. So we talked about step one and step two. What's step three? Well, step three is calm the chaos. But one of the steps that I want to talk about is on overcoming pain, where we talk about acceptance. It's step nine, and it's further along because I have found mm-hmm. acceptance to be something that really takes people a while. And so we have a step on letting go of judgment and replacing it with curiosity. We have a step on overcoming pain by truly accepting him or her for who they are, the process of divorce for what it is, you, you know, accepting yourself for your shortcomings, like being forgiving. These are the kinds of things. And step 10 is about really tuning into your intuitive knowing and all of these steps are key 
to live that calm, clear, confident life and navigate divorce that way. Step, step three is actually about curbing the, uh, is about, uh, calming the chaos between your ears. And, and you probably like, you know, see this every day. It's like their clients come in and they're so chaotic and they have so many stories and they have so much fear and, and it's like frenetic energy and it's like, slow all of that down, calm all of that down, because what's going on in there is limiting beliefs, assumptions, interpretations, and an inner critic that's slaying you. And step three is pivotal in truly understanding how the vast majority of the problems you face are between your ears and not actually happening in the world. I think that's absolutely true. And and when it's all chaotic in there, it's really hard to remember stuff. So I find myself as a lawyer, I mean, it's fine, but repeating, you know, things we said and people just, the anxiety just makes it hard. Literally, it's like a cacophony in their heads and, can't, and they can't hear it through the noise of all that chaos. Exactly. So Karen McMahon. Journey Beyond Divorce. It's been a pleasure to have you on Divorce Dialogue. Learn more about the 12-step recovery process at journeybeyonddivorce.com. Catherine, thanks so much for the invite. Great chatting with you.